All right, come on, 10 o'clock. Wow, look at it. There's more of you. Every week, there's a few more. Come on. People, yay. I'm funny again. When I tell jokes, there's actually laughter. Except for that one. Okay, so... Hey, come on, let's welcome everybody who's watching online at home right now. It's where most of you are. Come on, can we say hello to everybody who's online at home this morning? And uh, I know many of you are, you're waiting um, because maybe you're in a situation where you have a family member who's at higher risk for COVID, and we certainly understand that. A lot of you are waiting because we don't have childcare. We don't have kids ministry right now. And I just wanted to give you a quick update on that and, um, and let you know when you can expect to see that happen. We are praying about and discussing creating an opportunity to kind of pilot some kids ministry with uh, kids who are members of our staff and dream team who are here to serve in one of the services, hopefully in the near future, uh, just so that those people can serve and, and get to be here. But we've got to figure out a safe, careful way to do all of that. And we also got to make sure that we follow the guidelines that are being handed out to us, uh, which here's what y'all can, you can just be praying about this, that, that things would go the right way, and maybe there'd be some therapeutics or a vaccine that come quickly, because the main thing we're watching for is one paragraph in the state guidance to houses of worship that started out saying, when you gather in person, children must stay with their family unit, um, and then stay distanced from other families that you know, that they don't live with. Then it updated, it changed slightly towards the end of June, and it said children are strongly encouraged to stay with their family unit. And um, we just want to stay submitted to that. The Bible tells us to submit to earthly authority, even if you don't agree with them, uh, and, and don't dishonor them on Facebook during the election season. I'm sure none of you have done any of that. But um, so, so it does tell us to submit to earthly authority unless they're asking us to sin. And certainly, keeping our kids with family units is, is not sin. In fact, I like my kids. I'm okay when they're nearby, me. So, um, you are welcome to bring your kids to church. They just will have to sit with you in church. We do have some activity kits that we're handing out because I know that I'm not as engaging for elementary schoolers as the content that we normally have in kids' ministry. But as soon as that, as soon as that paragraph disappears... Or changes to say, you are now welcome to resume normal kids' ministry in classrooms. Come on, can't wait, everybody. We'll be bringing it right back. And, um, and we have the best dream team on the planet who serves kids week in and week out. Can I hear an amen, everybody? I mean, they're fantastic. And what I've really been proud of is so many of them during this season have been willing to take that kids' ministry hat off and put on a different hat to serve and make sure that we can have church right now. And um, so thank you for that. And I want to give a shout out to our, our production and tech arts uh, dream team who overcame a mo- giant hiccup this morning. We had one wire that went bad and took down our entire audio system right as the first service started. So we cut the live stream. People are at home going, where, where are they at? And um, took us a few minutes to get it back up. But props to them and no panic and healthy attitudes and everybody just rolled with it. And so, y'all, we have the best people in this church. I'm just telling you, they're just everywhere you look, incredible, incredible people. I do want to remind you, and I'm going to talk about this a bit during the message, that 21 days of prayer begins today, everybody, 21 days of prayer. And so we are calling you into a season of focused prayer. I'm asking you to spend some time every day in prayer. I'm going to give you something specific to pray for 
at the end of the message today. I also want to invite you to join us on Facebook Live Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at 9 a.m. We'll do that for the next three weeks. It's going to be very casual. We're just going to go live on Facebook for uh, 20 or 30 minutes and just spend some time in prayer together uh, corporately as a church family. I would love it if during this season you would take advantage of that digital connection card and send us your prayer needs and prayer requests and what's going on with your life. I'll personally be praying over those every single day during this 21 days of prayer, as will uh, a lot of our leaders and staff and team. And so uh, we just want to invite you to to participate in that. And as I'm going to share with you later in the message, prayer always precedes great moves of God. And I actually believe that we're on the cusp of a great move of God. And, uh, and so I want to invite you to participate in prayer with us. Come on, y'all on, on board with that? And, um, and uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about something today that I have not really talked much about in the life of our church. I probably should actually spend more time on it. Um, I have some personal hang-ups for why I haven't spent time on this topic, and I'm actually going to get into like some Bible prophecy end times conversation with you today. When the world is crazy, when the world is in crisis, one of the questions people tend to ask is, is this it? Is this the end? Is Jesus coming back? And um, my short answer to that would be maybe, could be. Definitely closer than every day that goes by, we're closer than ever. Um, and some generation's going to be it, so we might as well live as if it might be us. Amen? And um, my wife and I were having this conversation a couple weeks ago. We were very surprised. I had to eat words because we had a staff meeting here at our church before we came back to in-person services, and we were talking about how short we were going to be on some of our dream team positions and how we're just going to have to be flexible with that, and there may be some things that we just can't do in the interim, and and I actually, these words came out of my mouth. I said, well, there won't be that many guests right now anyways. Nobody's going to go shopping for a new church during a pandemic. Well, guess what we've had in every single service, every single Sunday since we came back? Guests. People shopping for church <laughs> during a pandemic. And so I had to go back to my staff and say, guess I don't have a prophetic gifting, guys. Sorry. Uh, I was wrong. And, um, and I started calling some pastor friends, and they're experiencing the same thing. In fact, many churches, up to a quarter of their attendance as they've reengaged in live services, has been brand new guests, and, um, which I think feeds into what I'm going to talk about with you today. And, um, and I, so I said to my wife, I said, I, don't, I just never would have guessed that. Who goes looking for a church in a pandemic? And my wife, and this is one of the reasons why I call her Holy Spirit, she just quit back to me. She said, I don't know, maybe people who see the world going crazy around them and they need answers. I was like, oh yeah, that is what we do, isn't it? That is the business we're in. And, um, and so that's what I want to try to help you with today. I want to try to give you some answers. And so we're going to talk about end times. There's a, your Bible has a lot to say about it. There's a lot of prophecy there. There's a lot of crazy stuff in the book of Revelation. You should read it. I don't recommend reading it like right before bedtime. Um, I don't think it's great, like, bedtime reading material for your kids. Like, there was a beast with horns and a mark and, a, and the tribulation and all these. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. I'm not going to get into all those layers today. What you will find if you study end times in your Bible, and we're going to see it in the words of Jesus, is really all of it boils down to two things. It really is this simple. It boils down to two things, 
And Jesus highlights it in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, when he says, because of the increase of wickedness. How many would say you've seen an increase of wickedness during your lifetime? You guys who are watching online, you just nod your head. You can type yes, amen. You can do an emoji, whatever. Whatever works for you. We, we've seen an increase of wickedness in our lifetime. Jesus says that there's going to be this increase of wickedness, and because of that, the love of most, and Jesus is actually talking about Christians here, believers. He says the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So he said, this, this is one issue that's going to happen. This is one of the ways you can know you're in the end times, is there's actually going to be a falling away. There's going to be believers who say, oh, my heart's grown cold towards this. Can I, can I share something scary with you? There's statistical research out right now that says one-third of Christians when the pandemic ends aren't coming back to church. They quit. I'm just saying. Those, that's facts. That's not the only thing that's going to be going on, though. Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached, come on, everybody, in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Come on, how many, how many know? There may be, there's gonna be some falling away. There's gonna be some stuff that, that we don't like. It's not great. But the gospel is gonna be preached like never before around the world. And all of us have witnessed wickedness in our life, and we've seen an increase in that wickedness. What you may not realize is this is happening the pace at which the gospel is expanding globally, we don't, we don't see it a lot of times because here in America, we're one of only four nations where the gospel is not expanding, which means we got work to do. Can I hear an amen? But globally, the gospel is, is exploding, and it's reaching into places because of technology and the internet and streaming and all these different things. In fact, even our, I don't know how people find us. We've had people watch these church services from New Zealand, from the Philippines, like jumping into live chat or Facebook saying, hey, hello from the Philippines. And I'm going, how in the world did you find us? I know you weren't Googling local churches and got our ad. So, so the gospel is just, it's just finding its way to places that has never been before. I find that incredibly exciting. Can I hear an amen? And then it's going to end, you guys. This world is not going to last forever. And I, don't, I haven't spent a lot of time on this because I kind of grew up in a culture that caused my pendulum to swing the other way. I grew up in a culture where we spent a lot of time talking about hell. And we would try to scare you out of hell. We didn't talk about come to Jesus and heaven's going to be so great. Don't you want that? We'd be like, you're going to burn. You're going to burn like crispy bacon. Turn or burn. Come to Jesus. That was... We would do entire productions, entire plays on the stage where we would build sets that looked like hell and depict scenes of people being tortured in hell. What was wrong with us to try to scare people into accepting Jesus? Can I just tell you, a good, healthy, perfect love doesn't need fear to draw you to itself. Can I hear an amen this morning? So look, look now I think hell is real. I think, I think eternity even though the Bible doesn't say much about hell, the Bible has a lot more to say about eternity with Jesus than the alternative. So here's what I'd boil it down to. There is one option, which is eternity with Jesus. That's a good option, everybody. There's another option that's eternity without Jesus. 
That's a bad option. How many want option number one? All right? And so Jesus is, what he's doing is he's, he's, he brings it down to these two things. Here, let me give them to you this way. Put them in your notes if you're using the app. He said, one, one sign that you know that the end is getting close is that there's a danger of Christians falling away. And we've seen this. He said, there's going to be some people whose their hearts grow cold, their love grows cold. They're going to fall away. They're going to lose their passion. They're going to lose their zeal. Some are even going to go so far as to say, I now reject my relationship with Jesus. I renounce my faith. It's one of the things that the Bible does leave a little opening for is what we call an apostate, an apo- a, a, coming to a place of apostasy. Um, I, I do not subscribe. There's some doctrines out there that, that teach you can lose your salvation. I find that really strange. Like, how would you lose it? Like, you put it down somewhere and you don't remember where it was? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. And I think it cheapens the cross. <clears throat> and so there's some doctrines that teach, like, there's a sin threshold, and once you sin enough, you're out. The problem is, how do you know when you've hit the threshold? Like, you slammed your finger in the car door this morning on your way to church, and you dropped a bomb. Are you out? Like, how do you know? Like, how do you know when you're out? And I, I just don't think that's good doctrine. I don't think the Bible supports that. But what the Bible does leave this little opportunity for, and it would be really strange, it would be really unusual, and it would be really weird. And I like to say it this way. My, my son is seven years old. He will always have my last name. And my daughter might not, because she might get married and take a different last name. But my son will always have my last name. She might get married if I don't kill the boy. But my son will always have a last name, my last name. Unless when he turns 18, it'd be really weird. It'd be really strange. It would be heartbreaking. It would be unusual. But when he turns 18, if he wanted to, he could go down to the courthouse and say, I don't want to be a Smith anymore. I want out. Take me out of the family. The Bible does seem to leave that opportunity open for someone to say to God, I want out. Come what may, I want out. But it's not a lost salvation. It's not like a, you were sinning and all of a sudden it left and you didn't realize it. Y'all tracking with me this morning? All right, so what am I saying is, I'm saying your, your eternity, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, I believe your eternity is secure unless you consciously decide to reject that. It's not like you're going to get to heaven and be like, and Jesus is going to be like, I would have let you in, but yesterday you said your 50th curse word, and that's the threshold. Sorry, we forgot to put that in the Bible so you would know. Y'all with me? You tracking? All right. So there is going to be this danger of Christians falling away, Christians growing cold. Some may even renounce their faith. Simultaneously to that, though, and much more exciting, is there's also going to be this opportunity of non-Christians getting saved. So I'm going to talk about the first one today, and next week I'm going to talk about this one. So next week we're going to talk about this great opportunity that we have to reach people. I'll tie into it a little bit today, but mostly I want to talk about that, that first one, which is the danger that all of us need to be aware of, that we, we could grow cold. We could be a part of that group of people who falls away. The Bible says Jesus said, we just read it, it's because of the increase of wickedness, and this is what concerns me, the love of most. 
Not a few, most. The love of most will grow, grow cold. And can I tell you, like, we've already begun to see it. The conversations that I, have, that I get to have as a leader, as a pastor, counseling people, coaching people, what we see going in, on in, in some marriages. Can I just tell you, there's an epidemic of cold hearts. And it's concerning. It's, um, it's one of the ways I think the enemy has used a pandemic to get people in isolation, separated from their spiritual community and their spiritual family. And I want to just give you symptoms of, of a heart that's growing cold. Because maybe you're experiencing some of these. How many know you can deal with something if you know what the symptoms are? You can go get help if you know what the symptoms are. And, and I've actually dealt with these during the pandemic. I'm just being transparent with you. I've had to work through some stuff. Let me, let me give you some symptoms of a heart that's growing cold. Here's the first one is you, you might become distracted. It's easier right now than ever to take your eyes off of Jesus. You all tracking with me? Some of you are, you're trying to do church at home right now? You're trying to stay engaged, but your kids are running around going crazy. They're pooping their diapers. They're throwing their Cheerios across the room. Come on. You, 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 you're trying to do church this morning, but you, you picked up the argument with your spouse that, from last night, and so you're not li- you haven't been able to really lean in. Or you've, you're trying to multitask, and so you're hearing the audio, but you've switched over to a new tab so you can get a little bit of work done or do some shopping. Or what, and I'm not, I'm not casting judgment on you. I know it's difficult right now. It is easier than ever to be distracted. But we have to be aware of the symptom so that we can do something about it. Are you all with me this morning? Because if we stay distracted, what eventually will begin to happen is you'll get distracted from your purpose. You'll get distracted from your God-given calling. You'll get distracted from your relationship with Jesus. You'll start putting your eyes on everything else around you. And can I just tell you something? If you just keep trying to churn it out in this life without staying connected to your purpose, what eventually will happen is your tank's gonna get empty and you're gonna feel depleted. And I've been, I've, I've felt some of that during this. I bet some of you have too. You've gotten to a place where you're just like, I don't have anything left. I got, no, I got nothing else in the tank. It's why you've got to be careful not to get distracted because distraction will cause our relationship with Jesus to get put on the back burner. And can I just tell you something? If God is not your source, then your source will run out. And you will get depleted. And when you're depleted, the next thing that happens is you'll just get discouraged. And I, I, know, I quit. I'm out. I don't want to try anymore. I don't want to try to establish a prayer life. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to stop losing my temper with my kids. You know mine? I don't want to go to the gym. Need to. Don't want to. Can I just be real with you all this morning? Is that all right? Pants are a little uncomfortable this morning. Need to go. <laughs> I don't want to keep working on the marriage. I've had enough. Our hearts will grow cold. We fall away. 
And I think one of the things we can do, and what I want to try to help you with this morning, don't get distracted by people, politics, what's going on in this world. I want to help you change your perspective. Anybody ever traveled on an airplane during a bad travel day? Normally, I've traveled a lot by this time in the year. 2020, I haven't been on a plane yet. Normally, I've been on a plane four, five, six times by now. Conferences, leadership events. Anybody ever traveled on a bad weather day? You know what I'm talking about? Like you get up, you walk up to the gate to get on your flight. You're already running behind. Security was a nightmare. You get up there just in time to look outside and see your suitcase is sitting out in the rain. They haven't put it on the plane yet. It's getting soaking wet. You finally get on the plane and somebody else has claimed the armrest. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, come on. You get out, you start taxiing out to the runway and the captain comes on and he says something like this. So we're gonna keep the seatbelt light on for a bit today. It's gonna be a little bumpy as we climb out of here. I'm gonna ask you to stay seated, let you know when it's safe to move out the cabin. Like, I don't want to hear the words bumpy on an airplane. There's two B words I don't want to hear on an airplane, bomb and bumpy. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to hear either of those. It's not, bumpy's like you drove down a bad road that needs to be paved. We're, we're 30,000 feet in the air, dude. No parachutes. Don't tell me it's going to be bumpy. I don't want to hear that. And so you, what happens? You take off. You're hanging on, the rain's coming down, it's nasty outside, but eventually that plane is going to get high enough that you're going to break through that cloud barrier. And what happens? You break through that cloud barrier and all of a sudden it looks like a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining, the clouds are below you, the turbulence settles down, and eventually you'll hear ding. All right, we've made it out of the rough air. You guys are free to get up, use the bathroom if you need to stretch. Make sure you keep your seatbelt back on if you sit back down. I'm pretty good at that, aren't I? Yeah. That's my backup plan. Here's what I want to help you with today. Your heart will grow cold if you never look above the clouds. I want to help you with your perspective. Jesus said it this way. He said, when the end is happening and when you're getting close to the end times and when these, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads. You're going to have to look over the top of all this stuff. There's going to be pandemics and there's going to be dysfunctional politics and the world is going to be broken because it's full of people and people are sinners. And if you get your eyes fixed on that, especially during the end, you'll get distracted, you'll get depleted, and you'll get discouraged. And I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm going to try to help you today get your eyes, that's why I've entitled the message, Above the Clouds. I want to get your, I want to get your perspective above the clouds. And so can I just, can I encourage you with some, some perspective this morning? Would that be all right? Can I do that? Can I, let, let's, like, let's make it simple. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you had a, have had a salvation conversion moment where you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you've made him the Lord of your life and you've said, Jesus, I believe you died for me 
and I believe three days later you rose from the dead, and, and now my life is yours. I'm surrendered to you. Can I give you some awesome news that will help you keep your head above the clouds, everybody? We are going to heaven. Come on, y'all. This is not our home. We're not, we're not staying here forever. Like, we put so much effort into trying to perfect this life. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter who gets elected. Why are you trying to perfect an earthly kingdom when it cannot be perfected? There's only one perfect king. There's only one Lord. There's only one Savior. And there's this promise, there's this hope that one day we're going to get to hang out with him and it's all going to be put the way it was meant to be all along. You're going to heaven, everybody. You're not staying here. Paul writes about heaven. He talks about it in Thessalonians. He says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I mean, look around. You want to know why the world is a mess? Because people don't have any hope. They don't see how it's going to get better. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that We who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about people who have a relationship with Jesus who've died, who've passed on. For the Lord himself, he's going to come down from heaven with a loud command. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know if Jesus is going to be like, hey, pack your stuff. I don't know. It's going to be a loud command. With the voice of the archangel, so he's going to say something too, so I don't know if Jesus is going to be like, hey, Pack up! And the archangel is going to be like, yeah, what he said. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to say. And then somebody's going to blow a trumpet. So like if you hear loud voices from heaven and a trumpet, you, and you haven't done it yet, go ahead and get that prayer in. You're out of time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Go on. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, look you guys, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage, that's what I'm trying to do for you this morning, one another with these words. He is coming back. This life will end. This world will come to a close as we know it. And I think... It's possible we're getting close. I do. Now, I don't know if it's next week or next year. I could be wrong. It could be 100 years from now. That's why Jesus said no man knows the day or the hour. But if we go by what the Bible says, we're close. We're getting close. And heaven's good, y'all. My grandma, she, her generation got this. I think better than our generation. Our generation tries to protect this life so much. Her generation got this. They would sing about the blessed hope. They would sing about, they would sing songs like, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Come on. 
When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. And then they'd go right into the next one. Like they wouldn't even break between the songs like we do. They'd go, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Oh man, I used to love, somebody, and when I grew up in church, you start singing those songs, somebody's getting a tambourine out and they're running laps in church. They're like, I'm gonna fly right now. I miss my grandmother. We called her Granny. She's the most Jesus-loving person I ever met. And we used to talk about the rapture so much, and we used to make it so scary that I had some moments like where I'd wake up in the morning and maybe my family had gone to run an errand and I didn't know. And I'm like the only one in the house. Come on, y'all. And I'm like, did I miss it? Is this the tribulation? Did I miss it? We were all post-trib the way I grew up. Some of y'all are like, what does that mean? Don't worry about it, doesn't matter. And so what I would do, I had a rapture check system. I'll call Granny's house. And she'd be like, hello? I'd hang up. Nobody had caller ID back then. She didn't know it was me. I'd be like, Granny's here. I definitely didn't miss it. I'm good. It was like my rapture check system. If Granny's still here, I didn't miss it. She, um, when she passed, she had gone in for some surgery. She having problems with her spleen, and so they were going to take it out. But because of her age and other issues that she had, some heart issues and things, it was like super high risk. So everybody knew she may not make it through this. And she actually got through the surgery, but in recovery, passed on. Mom called me in the middle of the night and said, hey, Granny's gone. And when I flew back home to be there for the funeral, I actually wasn't in a great place, like emotionally. I wasn't real healthy. And, um, I, and I'm like the ministry kid in the family, and so everybody's looking to me like, are you gonna, what are you going to say at Granny's funeral? And I had nothing to say. All I, I ended up just writing a song. That's all I could think. I just wrote a song called Home about my grandma, because she was just talking about, I'm going home. I can't wait. This is not my home. Heaven's my home. I can't wait to be home. And she said, she said this to the doctor. My mom told me later. I put this in the song that I wrote. Maybe someday I'll sing it for y'all. Um, they, were, they were in the, in the room there before surgery, and the doctor basically said to my grandmother, Margaret, we're going to hope for the best, but we need to plan for the worst, and we need to know what you want. What are your wishes? And my, my granny, she said this, verbatim, these were her words. She said, if I start to go up, you better let, she pointed her finger at him, you better let me fly. I'm going home. Y'all, we get to go to heaven. We get to go to heaven. And can I tell you something even better? Heaven is better than Delaware. <laughs> it's better than Maryland. It's better than Jersey. It's better than Pennsylvania. It's better than the United States of America. It is better than the Caribbean. It is better than Disney World. There ain't nothing that can touch heaven. Can I hear an amen this morning? 
And if Jesus is in your life, you don't need to be fearful or worried about the end. We're going to heaven. Revelation 21, 4 says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more COVID, no more cancer, no more elections, everybody. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. By the way, did you know heaven, the Bible doesn't teach that we're gonna spend eternity up in, the, up in space somewhere. It actually teaches that we're gonna come back here and reign alongside our king over a new earth, perfected, put back the way it was supposed to be all along. You guys, I'm gonna finally be good at golf. It's gonna be awesome. He's gonna make it all new. And he says, write it down. Because these words are trustworthy and they're true. They're true. He says this in John. He says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't look below the clouds. Keep your eyes above the clouds. You believe in God, so, so believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? that I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back, and I'm gonna take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, Thomas gets a bad rap in the Bible. He gets called Doubting Thomas and all this stuff. I don't think he's that, I don't think he's that far off. I think he's just one of those people, and you all have them in your life. You know that person who just is so literal? Like I have a couple of friends who, because I love sarcasm, but I can't use sarcasm with them because they believe me. So I'll make a sarcastic comment and they'll just be like, well, actually, I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's the way that, and I'll be like, no, I was, I was joking. I was kidding. And they'll just be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Y'all have that person in your life, don't you? Just everything is, I think that's Thomas. Thomas is like, hold on. You're leaving? And you said, I know the way? Lord, we don't know where you're going. Is there like a secret treasure map somewhere with the X on it? Like, Jesus, I don't understand. How, how can I know the way? And Jesus responds with some of the most important words you will ever hear in your entire life. Jesus answered, I'm the way. Come on, you guys. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, Thomas, you don't need a map. You don't need a GPS. You just need to know me. If you know me, I'm gonna get you there. Heaven. Kids go to heaven. Heaven's better than Delaware. And because we get to go to heaven, here's some, I just, I'm trying to get your eyes above the clouds. I need you to be reminded of some things you're not gonna suffer the wrath of God. And th there will be wrath. We don't like to talk about this because it doesn't sound fun, and it's not. There will be wrath poured out. But for those of us who have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we will not suffer that wrath. We'll be spared. Now, you may go through some tough stuff in this life because of some choices you make, you may even be the victim of somebody else's bad choices. Can I, I just need you to understand, that's a result of sin and living in a broken world. That is not God's wrath. 
God's wrath is different and it will be obvious. And, and you, I don't want to be around for this. The Bible says, Paul says in Romans, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. He continues teaching, and later on in chapter 5, he continues and says, since we have now been justified by his blood, Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? So Paul says, hey, there's, his wrath's coming, but because we've been blessed, justified through the blood of Jesus, we're, we're not going to experience that. Paul says, so brothers and sisters, he says, I know you're thinking about this. If, we're, if Jesus is coming back and that's going to save us from God's wrath and we're going to go to heaven, when's it going to happen? Paul says, you're not supposed to, you just need to, you're supposed to live as though you're ready all the time. About times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. If you don't believe me, just ask Kurt Cameron. Some of you have no idea what that joke was. It's a poorly acted Christian movie. All right, called Thief in the Night. While people are saying peace and safety, watch this, you guys. World leaders will rise up. And they're going to be selling peace and say, I know the way. I know the plan for peace and safety. Trust me, peace and safety. And everybody's going to be buying what they're selling. Sound familiar? Peace and safety. While they're doing that, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So Paul's saying, it's going to happen like a thief in the night, but like I've had two kids I didn't know the exact day they were going to be born, but I knew when we were close. Come on, moms. Like, I didn't know the day, but I knew when, when my wife was saying, I'm ready to be done. This is uncomfortable. I've got contractions. I'm in pain. I'm ready. So I didn't know the exact moment that they were coming, but I could tell we were close. And that's where I think, when we think about the end times and we think about Jesus coming back, we don't know the exact moment, we don't know the exact day, but it certainly feels like we're close. Y'all with me? But you, brothers and sisters, you're not in darkness, so this day is not going to surprise you like a thief. You're all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, we're not going to be like everybody else who's asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not. Everybody say, did not. Come on, if you're at home, you might want to type it in right now. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. Aren't you thankful for that, everybody? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died. For us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage. Here he is again. It's what I'm trying to do today. Paul's saying, get your eyes above the clouds. This is not our home. Encourage one another and build each other up. Just as, in fact, you are doing. Let me say it to you this way. For those who know God, this is as bad as it gets. It only gets better. Come on, aren't you thankful for that? 
There's a flip side to this equation, though. For those who don't know God, this is as good as it gets. And it only gets worse. It only gets worse. Y'all, we get to go to heaven. And heaven's better than Delaware. And, and we, we're not going to experience the wrath of God. If Jesus is in your heart, you're not going to experience the wrath of God. This is as bad as it gets. It only gets better from here. And here's the last one. I'll wrap it up. I, I shy away from language like this. Because I, I have been around spiritually manipulative environments at different seasons of my life. I'm very thankful for my pastor, who is my youth pastor, who's been very consistent all along. But I've, I've seen a lot of wacky stuff in churches. And so I, I try to be very careful with this kind of language. And I've heard some other spiritual leaders using this language recently. And I've been slow to get on board. But I just need to say, I need to confess to you today, in faith, I now fully believe this with all of my heart, that we're at the doorstep of a great revival. Like God's about to move, y'all. Do you feel that right now? If you're here in this auditorium, I don't know if it's translating on camera. But God's about to move. You know what revival is? I'm going to give it to you. It's a churchy word. That's one of the reasons I don't like, I don't like to be churchy. I'm always thinking about the, the guest. I'm always thinking about the person who doesn't know Jesus. I don't like to use churchy words. But there's not a better word for this. You know what revival is? It's, you know, somebody comes into the hospital and they're, they're passing on and their heart stops. They get those pedals clear and that heart starts to beat again, that's revival. That's revival. You want to know what a spiritual awakening looks like? There's going to be some people who their love grows cold. There's going to be some people who fall away. But hey, church, simultaneously, the gospel is being preached across the entire globe, and there's going to be some people who are dead, in, in, and they're dead in Christ. They're, they're spiritually dead. They've not experienced the love of God in their lives yet. They've not experienced a spiritual awakening yet, and something in them is going to happen. They're going to start coming to church in the middle of a pandemic when they can't even describe why they were drawn to this place. They find themselves getting on Google and saying, what's around me? What can I go to? What live stream can I tune into? And you know what the Holy Spirit is? doing he's saying clear welcome to the family baby clear to do welcome to the family baby and I'm believing with all of my heart that we are on the doorstep if the church will pray we're going into 21 days of prayer but you know what I'm asking you to do Let's ask Jesus for revival. Let's ask Jesus to overwhelm us with the lost who are coming to Christ. Let's ask Jesus for miracles. Let's ask Jesus for the supernatural to happen in our world again. And it's happened before. You know, history's cyclical. Few of you are old enough to remember this. 1968, the cover of Time Magazine. The world was a mess. And they put this out. Is God dead? Look how bad, the article was like, look how bad things are. If God was real, there's no way things would be like they are right now. This is the, the space race was going on. There's a Russian cosmonaut 
who said, I'm, and communism was very anti-Christianity. He said, I'm going up into space and I'm going to put on my spacesuit, and I'm going to tether outside of the spacecraft and I'm going to look into the heavens and if God's real, I'll be able to see him. So he went up in space and he tethered out and he looked around and he came back down front page of the Russian newspapers the very next day. No God. How many know if he'd taken that tether off, he'd have found God real quick? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we have been here before. And a couple years after this, the church began to pray. God, send revival. God, draw lost people to you and use us to do it. God, do the supernatural again. God, do miracles again. Would you do it in our lifetime? Could we see it in our lifetime? Five years later, 1973, the cover of Time Magazine, the Jesus Revolution. Want to hear a quote from the article in that, ep in that uh, I was going to say episode, but it's not episode. What is it? Edition. Whatever it is. Jesus is alive and well. What was the last cover? Is God dead? Listen to, now, now listen to what they're saying. Secular article. Jesus is alive and well in the living, radiant spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans. This is the movement where my, like, people my parents' age were introduced to Jesus. If anyone Mark clearly identifies them, it is their total belief in an awesome, supernatural Jesus Christ, not just a marvelous man who lived 2,000 years ago, but a living God, everybody. How many think if it happened for their generation, we can ask God to send it to our generation again? How many know? How many think that God wants to bring revival? I think he does. You've got a choice. You can keep looking at things below the clouds where it's dark and dreary and the world's a mess. But Jesus said, why don't you lift up your eyes? Some are going to fall away. Some are going to grow cold. But this gospel's also going to be preached. And you have an opportunity like never before to see revival in your lifetime. Can you picture that? Can you picture not just this church, but churches not having big enough buildings, not having enough seats in the auditorium, not having enough people to disciple and teach because they're so overwhelmed by the lost coming to Jesus. My heart yearns and aches to be a part of that kind of a move of God. And I confess to you this morning, church, I am fully on the bandwagon now. I believe with all of my heart, we are at the doorstep of that kind of move of God. I just want to be positioned to be a part of it. You know, Jesus had a day. He was fully God and fully man. He had a day where he had to decide about looking below the clouds or above the clouds. And he actually prayed. He said, my... My soul is troubled. What's your soul? That's your emotions. That's the emotional part of you. And what am I going to say? Father, save me from this hour? Which is how most of us pray about our broken world. God, just change it. God, take it away. Can I tell you the breakthrough I'm having right now? 
I'm not asking God to take it away anymore. Jesus said, no, no, that's not the prayer. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. You want to get your eyes above the cloud? Don't start, don't keep asking God to take everything away. Start believing you were made for this moment. Y'all, I was made to pastor True Life Church in the middle of a pandemic. I was made to preach this message. I was made to stand right here and encourage you. Kevin was made to stand right there and make my words sound so much more beautiful than they actually are. Come on, y'all. Just start believing it. You were made for this moment. You were made for it. It's not, it's not gonna take you out. It's not gonna end you. And even if it does, guess what? You get to go to heaven and heaven's better than Delaware. Can I hear an amen? All right, let's close our eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody listening to this message right now, watching online, sitting in this room, who doesn't have the hope we're talking about. God, that revival would begin today with them. And if you find yourself listening to this message right now, knowing something is missing from your life, and you've never surrendered to Jesus, I want to ask you to do that right now. And all you need to do is just talk to him. Just say, Jesus, today I'm surrendering my life to you. Please forgive me of my sin. Please forgive me of my mistakes. Please forgive me for doing life this long without you. From this day on, I'm going to be in relationship with you. And because of this moment right now, I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive. I'm revived. And heaven is my home. And I'm going to spend eternity with you. I'm going to be where you are. I'm not going to suffer your wrath. This life now is as bad as it gets for me. Thank you for that, Jesus. In your name I pray. And Heavenly Father, I lift up every person who's listening to this message right now who loves you, who has a relationship with you, who's had a conversion moment. Maybe they're even in church every week or watching online every week, but if we were to peel away the layers of the heart, we would see somebody who's distracted, depleted, discouraged. And God, I ask you to bring revival to their life as well. Help us to get our eyes above the clouds, to look up, to engage with you, to remember heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. You've got this. We're going to spend eternity with you, and we thank you for that, Jesus. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Pastor Joel.